Good morning. So good to see everybody this morning. We are wrapping up our series on the Sermon on the Mount. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We're actually going to look at three different parts of Scripture this morning. We're going to be in three different places. So if you don't have a Bible with you and you'd like to follow along, there's some Bibles in the rack right back here by the sound booth. So uh, you can get up right now if you want and go grab one. For those of you who have your Bibles with you, whether it's a <laughs> in paper or in technology, open up to Matthew chapter seven. And we are going to hit the very end. We're in verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. People of God, these are the words of God. I had a really interesting week this week. I was on the road with a client, and over the last uh, month or so, I have been working with with a certain team for this corporate client. And th this was the situation. This team uh, located across four different locations in the business had been managed for decades by this one individual who um, has since retired. The new leader of this team has come in and and is suffering from some, some struggle with the team. Because the new leader is, number one, different. But one of the things you need to understand, both whether it's corp business or committees or community groups or families, any human system, you will find the culture of the system reflects the leader who's, who's leading that system. So this was a team that had been led by this same person for decades. And what happens is the team and the culture gets built around the temperament, the leadership style, and both the positive health and negativity and opportunities and challenges of this leader. Now we've got a new leader who's a completely different type of temperament a completely different type of person has different strengths, different challenges, and this entire system has been built around this one person, and now this new person is kind of going, nothing seems to be working. So I was asked to come in and do an assessment of the situation and all the leaders on the, the team, the manager and all the supervisors and leads, uh, and help them figure out this transition. And it was fascinating. So I had all of the leadership team take the Enneagram test, 
And it was fascinating to see the results uh, because the, the person who had led the team for years was an Enneagram 8. And for those of you who are not sure of the Enneagram, there are nine types. The 8 is called the challenger. The 8 is an authoritative, dominant person. Now, 8s are, really want the good of everybody. The motivation is really pure and sincere. But the way they lead is by control, by domination, by challenging, by pushing, by being, the 8s tend to be reactive, uh, those are all, can all be good things, but there are challenges that come with it. As I did the assessment of uh, the Enneagram test for all the leaders, there were seven sevens. Now, if you even know the sevens, sevens are the fun havers. Sevens are the, the, the life of the party. Sevens are the ones, they don't like challenge, they don't like, you know, they don't like pain, they don't like discomfort, they just want to have fun. And there's seven of them. And then there are, there's one peacemaker, there are a, a couple of reformers, type ones, and there's one uh, lone four individualist. But all of those types, every one of those types, except for the eight, are non-confrontational temperaments. And so you've got one dominant leader and a bunch of non-confrontational people around him. So guess what happens? Can you imagine what, kind of, what that system was like? The leader leads. This is the way we're going to do it. And everyone goes, okay, okay, okay. And the leader's reactive in the moment. And so everyone underneath is going, oh, okay, cautious, be careful. Don't want anyone to blow up. I just want to have fun. I want to avoid the confrontation. I want to avoid the challenge. So now the new leader is also a seven. And the new leader is going, I, I don't understand because every time some, one, of, one of the team members come in my office, they just start crying. And it's like they're afraid of me. And I don't get it. So this new leader is trying to build something different. but is having problems. So it was fun for me to just be able to kind of go, all right, you guys, number one, let's just speak some truth about what was <laughs> and what is and what you're trying to accomplish. And then let's, after we've kind of spoken some truth and love, let's establish a vision for where the new leader is, wants to take it and then talk about a blueprint for how we make that happen and then, finally, we offered an off-ramp to anyone on the team. If, if you can't make the change, if you don't want to be part of what's being built here, then guess what? Let's help you find somewhere else that you want to go. So that was my job this week. So I thought about that as, as I read the scripture this morning. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We begin with the preamble, the Beatitudes, and Jesus says, this is how I want you to live. And then now for three chapters, he's expounded on what that looks like. Today is the call to action. He ends with this call to action and a word picture. Here is the assumption. You and me, Every one of us, we're building something. 
we're all building something in this life. Jesus didn't say, oh, well, if you want to, you can build. No, he said, there are two things you can do. You can listen to what I have to say, <laughs> put it into practice, or you can listen to what I have to say and not do it. But either way, you're going to be building something. So what are we building? So James said, James picked up on that. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. All right, so for those, my note takers, whom I love in the group, uh, we're going to talk about four things today. Okay, so here we go. I'll let you know where we're going. Number one, we're going to talk about the foundation. Number two, we're going to talk about the building. Number three, we're going to talk about the test. And number four, we're going to talk about the encouragement. So number one, the foundation. And Jesus said it quite plain. That was the difference in the word picture. One builds house on the rock, the other builds house on the sand, the muck, the mire, the instability. Now, and the cool thing about this is I, I always shake my head at people who will say, well, you know, the Bible's just a bunch of different stuff written by different people over big time. It it, it, there's no cohesiveness. There's no, there's no unity. There's not a, a, a narrative that you can string through the whole thing. And I'm just like going, you obviously have not read it or studied it. Because the whole thing comes together. So when Jesus says, build your house on the rock, do you know how many times David said that God is my rock, my fortress, my shelter, my foundation? We just got done a whole series on the Psalms. And in Psalm 40, verse 2, it says, David says, he lifted, my, he lifted me out of what? The muck, the mire, and the sand. He lifted me out of that and set my feet on a rock. So there we go, there's the two foundations. What are you building your house on? You have a foundation, this rock, that lasts, and you have this foundation of the muck, the mire, and the sand that doesn't. The implication being this, you can build, your, whatever it is you're building, in your life, the house you're building, you're either, if it's on the rock, it's being built for eternity. It's being built for the kingdom of God. It's being built with eternity in mind. It's being built with level four, <laughs> kingdom of God, eternal specifications and blueprints. If you are building whatever it is you're building in your life just for this world and what this world says you should be building your life about by the principles and specifications of what this world dictates, then when the end of this life comes, then nothing is going to be left. Okay? We'll get to that in just a minute with the test. That which is built here, Jesus says, when the storms of life come, and they will come. Oh man, will they? When the storms of life comes, it will stand. 
Doesn't mean it's not gonna be feel the damage. <laughs> Doesn't mean that there, there might be some creaking and cracking, but it stands. But if you build your life on this foundation, when the storms of life come, and they will come, it falls apart. I got nothing to hold on to. I got nothing holding me together. I got nothing that's going to keep this thing together. So we have one that stands, one that falls. Let's talk about these buildings. So that's the foundation. We got the rock and the sand. The building itself, let's go to, um, if you want, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I thought I had a bookmark in there, but I didn't. All right. Um, Wendy and I, you know, had an opportunity to, to build our house and... Um, here a number of years ago, Wendy loved the experience. I hated it. Um, just did. One of the things that I hated is because we are very different in the way we make decisions. You know, I, I'm just like, whatever. Can we just decide? Okay, this, that, great, wonderful, good. Um, whereas Wendy is a, a, as a, you know, Enneagram eight and a, and a decision maker, she wants to look at the whole thing, look at the details, figure out all the pros and cons, get out the spreadsheet, detail it, what are the costs, what are this, what are this, what are this, what are this, let's talk about it, and then we'll make a decision. And I go, oh God, thank you, we made the decision. And then she'll go, but wait a minute, is that the right decision? So let's go back and think about it again. And about that time, I'm going, ah! Anyway, so it's a different experience, but that's okay, it's not it's good or bad. But one of the things that I learned, I learned a lot in the process of building a house, and one of the things that I learned is that you, you can choose different materials and different grades of materials. And your builder's gonna come, well, we can, we can use this one, which is a lot more expensive, but it will last longer, be of higher quality, or we can use this one, and it's gonna be fine, but it's probably just not going to be as strong or as good, and it's gonna cost less. And you've got like everything in the house, you have to make this decision. And then pretty soon, if you kind of go, well, I want it to last and I want it to be good, man, it costs so much. And now all of a sudden you're over budget. So then you start going, okay, well, what can I, what can I invest in? What are the things that I need to kind of maybe have the, the better quality? And what are the things that I can skimp on? And it just becomes, it becomes crazy. Well, in Galatians chapter five, Paul is talking about the differences, another contrast here. So let's apply this to our building. The fruit of the spirit or the acts of the flesh. And really because that, when we're talking about whatever it is we're building, this house that we're building, this life that we're building that Jesus talks about at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the building materials are right here in Galatians. Let's take a look at chapter five, okay? 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. You've got sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. You've got hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as I was meditating on this, I realized the, the framework of what Christ wants us to build, the framing of it is love. The framing of the house on the sand is selfish ambition. It's basically pride. I am building this for me. I am building this around me. But love is the framework of what Christ is building. And then the materials that go into it are, are patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. Those are the, the, the materials. And it's basically when Jesus said the Beatitudes... He said, this is what I want you to live. Well, guess what? The Beatitudes are basically the living out of patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's the building material, framed on love because everything is built on the law of love. But over here, if I am building my house framed on what, around me and what I want, guess what's going to be the building materials I use? You know, and the interesting thing about the acts of the flesh in Galatians is it's really easy for us to focus on the, oh, um, sexual immorality, you know, that's all those wild people out there, that's not me. Impurity, debauchery, no, I lead a pretty clean life, not me. Idolatry, don't have any idols in my house, no. Witchcraft. Not me. And we look at these outward periods. Orgies, haven't been to an orgy. All right, nope, not me. And we look at, at, at those things that were very much a part of the ancient world and have their corollaries in today's world. But then we want to ignore the selfish ambition and the envy and the jealousy and the anger fits of rage, but that's really what it is. Because when I'm building framework around me and what I want, then guess what? What I want is what that other person has. What I want is what I see everybody else has on home and garden at work. What I want is just to be safe. What I want is just to be comfortable. What I want, it's, it's all about what the world tells me is important. While over here, it's love, joy, and peace, and patience. And then, and then on the outside, and this is what's interesting, because if you have a framework and they use the materials of patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, then what others will see in me is joy, and peace. As other people are walking down the sidewalk past my life and looking at me, what they are going to see are the results of all those building materials. They're going to see peace. Someone's at peace. They're going to see somebody who's joyful in all circumstances. If somebody's coming down. Now I'm building with envy and jealousy and a little bit of anger, frustration, 
Got a lot of conflict inside. Well, what happens with, when all that's happening, then what, what happens on the outside is I try and get all of the things that the world says is important. And now the outside, so th- those things like getting drunk and partying and sexual immorality, those are the things that people run to when the inside of the house is full of selfishness and envy and jealousy and chasing after the things of this world. And what people then end up seeing is me doing the things of the world because really I built my life around the things of this world. Seeing the contrast here? So the other thing about the acts of the flesh is, yes, for some people, the selfishness, the ambition, the envy, the jealousy, conflict, anger, comes out in those things of the world, the drunkenness and the orgies and the sexual immorality and having affairs and getting high and and trying to numb out, but it can also look like self-righteousness, religiosity, judgment, condemnation, those, that Dutch front that we talk, talk about for years, that can also be the outside. Because I don't want anybody to see that my, my heart, my soul is filled with envy and jealousy and hatred and bitterness. So I'm gonna put up, I'm gonna build up on the outside this idea that I'm really good and really religious. And that's exactly what Jesus was calling out in the religious leaders of his day. Well, then comes the test. And for here, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 10. We're going to end up going through 20. Don't you know? I'm sorry, go back to 10. By the grace God has given me, Paul says to the folks in Corinth, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Again, Paul's saying the same thing that David was saying in Psalm 40, which Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. How, what, are you, what are you building your house on? So I laid a foundation as a wise builder. In other words, he's saying, I helped you come to Christ so that your lives could be built on the rock. Someone else is building on it. Apollos, the pastors there, the elders in Corinth are, are helping build up with those building materials in the people there. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using, and here's the building materials, Paul says it, gold and silver and costly stones. So he's again making a contrast, a little bit different metaphor. Or wood, hay, and straw, just like the three little piggies, right? Their work will be shown for what it is because the Day, all right, Bible scholars notice the D in day is capitalized. Why? That's a proper noun. It is not just any day. It is the day. It is the day of judgment, which will bring it to light. Did you know that there's actually uh, two different types of judgment on judgment day? The first one is in Revelation chapter 20, and it's called the great white throne judgment. I talked about that a little bit last week in the sanctuary. That's where the books are open. If your name is in the book of life, you go to eternity. If your name is not in the book of life, you go to destruction. But 
what Paul is talking about here is, in, is in the next piece of, of, the, of the judgment day. And what he's saying is the quality of what we're building is going to be shown for what it is. Verse 13. The day will bring it to, to light. <coughs> Excuse me. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built still stands, then you'll receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but will yet be saved, even as only one escaping through the flames. In other words, even those who are in Christ Jesus, who are, whose names are in the book of life, can build with the right building materials on the rock foundation, or build my life on the sand and the muck and the mire using the things of this world based on the principles the world tells me that I should build for the reasons the world tells me I should build it. And when we get to the judgment day, this will be standing. And this, there won't be really anything there. So now we come, again, to the test. So that's the ultimate test. But there's also the other tests. We're, we're going to face tests of life. The storms of life are going to come. We are going to experience tough times in this life. Guaranteed. Why? Because God tells us it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And we get stuck in this mindset that, again, it's the Santa Claus mindset. If I'm good and I try and do good things, then God is going to make my life easy and blessed means it's going to be easy and comfortable, and no, nothing bad is gonna happen to me in this world. When God really says, no, 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 the storms come, because guess what? My goal is not for you to have things easy, and safe, and comfortable in this world, because that's not gonna happen. You live in a fallen world that is run by the prince of this world, for now. But when the test of time, when the storms come, what I am trying to build in you is maturity, completeness, faithfulness, perseverance, proven character. That's the goal. Because at the end, when this life is over and we go into the kingdom, those are the things that are going to matter for eternity. That's what God's trying to do. So we shouldn't question the storm. What we really need to question is, am I building my life so that I can stand that test? Well, how do I do that? By pursuing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. By building my house on a rock, by putting my faith in Christ, by making sure that every day my focus is on doing the things that count for eternity. Well, what does that look like? Friends, it's the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we've been talking about for weeks. That's what Jesus wants us to build our life to look like. And it all kind of fits together. Real quick, let's uh, hit verse 16. 
Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And isn't this important to the word picture? You're the temple. Your life is God's temple. So what you're building is for God. What you're building is God's temple with your life. And your temple can look like this, or your temple can look like this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Don't deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, <laughs> if you think you're wise by the standards of this age, building my life by the dictates of what this world thinks is important and what the world thinks is a priority and what this world is chasing after, then you know what you need to do? You should become a fool. And isn't that what Jesus said? These things that I'm teaching you to do, the world is gonna say to you that you're a fool. I didn't come here, I didn't come here to convince the wise and persuasive people, the powerful of this world's world. I came to speak with those who are willing to look at what the world says is foolish and go, nope, that's really the eternal. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. So the, the question really is very simple this morning. What are you building? What are the building materials with which your life, your relationships, your character is being built? And I want to leave you with this encouragement from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. You want to build something right in your life? You wanna build something for God's kingdom? You wanna build something for eternity? Folks, God is right here. And he wants, he's gonna keep working on you, he's gonna keep building into you. You just have the choice, as Jesus said, to listen and do, or listen and not. As we worship this morning, we're gonna have members of the consistory serving communion right over here. If you'd like to come up, partake of communion, please do so at your desired time. Over here, we're gonna have some uh, prayer warriors from our prayer team. If you need some prayer, if you're, maybe it's, you're looking at your life and going, man, my, my building doesn't look very good. Maybe this morning is a good time to just ask for some prayer that you can make the change from listening and not to listening and doing. Let's worship together.